Hello all and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Karen Boozer Jamari, and I am joined by... Your neural nutritionist, Sam. So Sam, we've yes. recently witnessed a crime. A crime, a you crime say? A crime taken by those fiends over at Pixar. Yes, they tricked us into paying good money to just watch them goof around with technology so good that I literally had to stop in the middle of Toy Story 4 and be like, this looks so real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, newsflash, we saw Toy Story 4. <laughs> yeah, and this episode is not going to have any Toy Story 4 like plot spoilers or anything, but we have to talk about how they keep, they can't keep getting away with this. They just can't keep getting away with this, Sam. They can't keep tricking us into giving them the, our hard-earned money to go see their latest just foray into technological marvel. I mean, is it tricking if it's accompanied by a pretty good plot? It. You know what? I'm going to say that's even more of a crime. Because <laughs> oh, now really? I have to see it. That's like, it's like, oh my God. It's like a, that's like entrapment. It's entrapment. I like this idea that all good movies are just entrapment. Yes. And so that way you listener, dude, please, I'm not a lawyer. So do not take my legal <laughs> advice. But you totally can sue all these companies for entrapment. <laughs> don't do that. Please yes. don't. Or if you do, don't tell them I told you that. Yeah, that sounds like a wonderful idea. Please try that. All right. So on a more serious note, yes, we saw Toy Story 4 recently. And it was stunning to watch just because I think we've both gotten to hear a lot of Toy Story. Not Toy Story. Pixar's incredible journey inventing and pushing the envelope on computer-generated technology. The movie is visually stunning. Like, it's incredible. And there were many scenes watching it where I, I remember just tapping you on the shoulder and being like, look at that. Look at that, how beautiful that is. Because it's it's to the point where it looks so realistic, it's kind of tricking your mind of, that could be real. Like, they could have just stuck things in the real world and filmed it. Like, it, the visuals were that good. And this actually goes back to why the original Toy Story was such a success. It's because we're watching toys and not people. Like, if you look at human beings and they don't look quite right, that's going to bother the heck out of you because you're looking for human beings. But mm -hmm. if I'm looking for toys, if I'm looking for plastic and I'm looking for porcelain, then it's just like my brain is completely fine rolling with it. There's not as much of an uncanny valley to get through because your brain is already expecting not people. So as long as the atmosphere, as long as the other elements I'm looking for are there, it like I was completely fine accepting like this is definitely like they just shot in a store and then just added in the characters later with CGI. Like I could totally believe that. For yeah, for this latest film? For Toy Story 4. And yeah. that's that's why I wanted us to take a moment and step back to Toy Story 1 and understand this 25 some odd year journey that Pixar has taken constantly using different movies as excuses to push the envelope in every single element that came together for this movie. Wait, ha has it really been 25 years? When was Toy Story 1 come out? I'm like 90% sure it was 95. Here, for you weary listener, it was 95. The original Toy Story was released in 1995. All right. So, here's the breakdown. When Pixar made the original Toy Story, it was a completely, it was honestly the first completely computer-generated film of its caliber. Mm -hmm. Possibly period the end. And what was mind-blowing about it was, I got to point out, Steve Jobs was helming that ship when they were doing that movie. Like, the guy who everyone associates with madness at Apple was helming Pixar during the creation of its first movie. 
And like the fact that that movie got made with him at the helm, I'm surprised there wasn't a lot more crazy nonsense going on. Actually, when you listen to the actual story of Toy Story's creation, there was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, listeners, whenever you dunk on Apple, just remember, you Steve Jobs the thing for Pixar. Yeah, it's it's bittersweet. It's so bittersweet. But there was this problem. So when you're trying to computer generate people, we are very messy, for lack of a better word. We got like a bunch of fluids inside us and muscle and tendons. We're, and we're a little squishy. We're very squishy squish bags. And what's weird is all those pieces layer on top of each other to make how we look in the world. So if you're trying to model that, you can't just model like a person with the outer shell being the skin and then just be like, and now it's a person and is going to move around and do stuff because they're going to either look too rigid or what they found was they would keep having problems where the joints would bunch up. So you'd have this weird pinching where the skin would pinch together mm. or you just would have just super uncanny valley. You've mentioned uncanny valley twice so far. I think you need to explain to anyone who doesn't understand what that is. So basically the uncanny valley is this idea that as technology progresses and becomes more lifelike, there is actually a moment right before we accept it as being the equivalent of its real-world facsimile, where our brain is like, up, up until here, we've been willing to accept that this is not human. And our brain, just like all the uns uncertainty and unsubtlety and things that we were looking for in our brains, we just are willing to just throw that out. But there's a moment where if you tell me I'm looking at a person, I'm going to be looking for specific things. I'm going to be looking for the eyes, the face, the structures in the face, when they move, does their mo face move like I expect a face to move? All these subtle little things that if they're not there or just enough of them aren't there, my brain is going to be very unsettled. This is going to have a hard time believing I'm looking at a human being. Yeah, and this is normally explained with robotics and like the latest advances on robotics because you get to the point where the robot looks a little bit too lifelike and it's past that point and then just looks creepy. Exactly. And then just like the elaboration of that in this case in Pixar was like they wanted to make humans for the original Toy Story and they had the hardest time making like no one had really done this before. No one was making these virtual assets. No one was even trying to play with this. So they had this problem of like all the characters look very rigid and everything looks weird and the lighting is weird. And all these little things that we don't fully appreciate come together to make good CGI that we have just been taking for granted recently took an incredible long time to create. Movies like Jurassic Park, movies like Toy Story, they, they were the predecessors to a lot of the good CGI that makes the movies that we go to every summer for summer blockbusters and whatnot. So back to Toy Story. There are a few elements of Toy Story that kind of led to it being about toys and not about actual human beings. One is rendering hair. The ability to just render loose, stringy, just pieces of thread that are attached to a head is so difficult, especially when they were creating Toy Story, that they legitimately, like, they couldn't do it. So every time you see a character like Andy or Sid or Sid's dog, their hair is just one, basically just like one piece that just sits there on their head. Yeah. Isn't it like pretty rigid? And also doesn't that explain why Sid's hair is like ridiculously short? Yeah. <laughs> for no reason. It's, it's way easier to have an antagonist that's a bald kid and render that than it is to have an antagonist that's like a girl with long flowing hair 
Or even yeah. a guy with long flowing hair. That was rude of me. <laughs> then there was the problem of water. Because water, believe it or not, is actually made up of a bunch of tiny little particles, like, you know, atoms. And those particles kind of flow together. And it's not just that they flow together. They also have to have a certain transparency. And light has to move through them a certain way. And all of those little elements have to come together for me to believe this is water. Well, and I feel like water also, kind of going back to flow, especially if you have a rushing water or like a river where you have different elements like moving up and down. So you have one section bobbing up, another one bobbing down, this kind of moving this way and that way. And actually that kind of goes back to the hair problem because I feel like a lot of problems with hair is that, you know, it kind of waves around. It's kind of does its own thing. There's a million strands and all of them can be doing individual moment That's movements. That's exactly right. And then the environment's impacting them. Like how is air flowing through them? How is light bouncing through it? There's oh, all yeah. those other pieces that they already didn't have that ha- they have to account for. Like how damp is the hair? What Where is the hair? And then you have, this was my favorite thing, was light and infinite space so it's like one thing if you remember in toy story like everything is like from one light source or very dim so they're outside so it's just like the sun coming down is understood to be one light source Mm -hmm. or it's in a room so there's just like a lamp or they're like at the arcade so everything's so dark they don't really have to do too much worrying about too many different light sources because it was hard enough to render light coming off one thing or when yeah, or when they're outside in the pizza truck and it's nighttime and I think there's only like one light source in there. Exactly. But here's the weird thing is with light, with your light sources comes how you can render the actual space they occupy. And that was the biggest thing is like you'd think that like being able to put these dudes just like on a plane and just call it like this is outside, this is the world was one thing. But those render engines, the things that they use to render the CGI into the fr- individual frames that make up the movie Toy Story, mm-hmm. they didn't have the technology to render infinite distance. Like if I'm outside, I cannot render what looking off on the horizon where the horizon technically never ends and it's just these the land and the air and the sky like meeting each other. Like all these little things that we really do not think about, they had an impossible time trying to figure out how to make technologically possible. Hmm. And so what ended up happening was the movie Toy Story was Toy Story because you could have characters that had rigid rigid outer shells because they were plastic. You had very few humans. Like literally, there's just if you rewatch Toy Story, all the kids at Andy's party are the same asset. They're all Andy. <laughs> well, and and the shots of them, it's always of their feet, like feet or waist down. Like I don't think you ever do you ever see the mom's face in no. the first one. Yeah, and it's no, there's no extreme movement. There's like. Every single time we see something, it's very rigid and it's very much like that thing is just a big toy. Yeah. And even in um, when they're in the arcade, I think there's a ton of kids in there. But if I recall, you don't really ever focus on any of them. Like, exactly. I feel like the only person I vividly remember is Andy and Sid. Yeah. Like there other there are other kids, but they are just like so far away and doing so little actual movement that you wouldn't pay attention to them. And then the other thing about the fact that it's Toy Story is like, because they're toys, they're in a room. They're not outside that often. So it's easy for them to render the limited space of of a room. Oh, that's right. And so these are like all the little pieces that had to go into making it. And even with limiting it and making this story exist in this space, they had an incredible amount of 
I, I think based on a Business Insider article I came across, and I will definitely link this in the show notes, <laughs> they had 117 computers running 24-7, and e- they were tasked with rendering all these frames. Like After you've taken all these models, these things that represent the in-world characters, and have them do their motions, and have all these things happen, and then have to put them in an environment where light's bouncing off them, and they're interacting with the space, and they're moving things, and they're being moved. It took... 45 minutes to 30 hours to render individual frames for the movie. Ah. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much you guys know about movies, but movies are basically a bunch of pictures you watch really fast. And the original Toy Story was 77 minutes long and 114,000 frames. Yeah, those like old, the movie reels when they tick, 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 tick. Oh my God, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you have, um, oh man, the little horse carousels, right? Yeah. And you'd spin the thing and you'd be like that, except instead of like hand drawing it, like I guess cartoonists would because they're insane, (laughs) these people decided to invent a completely new technology. Yeah, because that's smarter. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think the the batching itself was like so it was just so new how much processing had to be done and how many things were together that they had to invent a piece of software called RenderMan to get it all done. I'm now thinking how long did that last scene take? Cuz I'm sure that took probably the most when they're like outside and Woody is and Buzz are flying. And they're getting to the car. You know, the last yeah. scene in like Toy Story. And Well, the fortunate thing there is if you pay attention, there's like not really clouds and stuff. It's like a simple street, two vehicles chasing each other, and then the assets themselves, like the toys, Woody and Buzz, flying towards them. Ah. And so you don't have to worry about rendering clouds. You don't have to worry about what rendering weather. And if I recall, like it's like outside is just a big box where they try not to show you the edges. Yeah. So that you won't notice that you're in a big box. That makes sense. Now, here's where my real, real gripes, my real, my real pains come in. Is, oh? Yeah, they made Toy Story, and we fell in love with Pixar. And then they, they, just, they just took advantage of us, Sam. They kept getting us back into the movie theater over and over again for the guise of telling us a story. Are you telling me that Ratatouille was to tell us a story? No. Monsters, Inc. and Ratatouille were an excuse for Pixar to practice making realistic hair. In Monsters, Inc., you have hair that is being rendered on Sully, who is now a primary character. Before, we couldn't even have realistic hair. Now we have a primary character who is just hair running around. His hair is flowing through the air. He has to deal with the Himalayas. He has to deal with the factory. And they're just using it as an excuse to render hair. And then Ratatouille comes along. And now we have to deal with hair and lighting. What? Remy's in the sewer? Well, he got wet. Now we have to figure out what wet hair looks like. We have to figure out what tufted hair it looks like. And they just keep doing it and doing it for the last 25 years. It's not fair. I don't don't think I like this angry character you've developed. (laughs) Oh, don't worry. I have other things to be upset about. Oh, boy. All right. I should be fair. I'm not that upset. But it's just like this movie, Toy Story 4, is like it's not the end of Pixar. It's just like the next step in their journey. And their journey has been like... If you if they decided to stop now, they could easily rest their hat on the hook of having a, just established what the standard in CGI looks like. Yeah, and like how many new technologies have they themselves invented? Exactly. Like when they were rendering water, they would have to like Finding Nemo and the Good Dinosaur and again Ratatouille, like they every single time were looking to real world 
effects and then figuring out ways to make software emulate those effects. So when light's in water and finding Nemo, it's not just in water, it's light is distorted by the reflection of the water, the turbulence of the water. And then you still have the particles within the water Oof. to think about. Um, and then rendering light. So literally every single one of their movies is just a masterclass in figuring out how to add more and more light sources until we got to Coco where there was, I think like a few million, that one shot when he's crossing the bridge, when the main character is walking into the world of the dead and you see everything. Oh, you mean the one like where he first gets in there and he sees like the bit, like that was on all the trailers where you see like the big, like city arid world of the dead area and it's just all these bunch of houses stacked on top of each other and yeah. it's just beautiful lights exactly. and gorgeousness that one shot is like millions of light sources it is literally them having to create software that will render millions of light sources and then figuring out how light bounces from those sources off the character into infinite distance it's software they had to create to figure out when I walk into Land of Dead on a glowing orange bridge into a place full of beautiful, vibrant colors, what does the light bouncing off me look like? Wow. Then you still had the question of infinite space. Again, every single movie that they've been doing, they've been giving you more and more to work with. Like, Wally is infinite, infinite space. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> okay. Wasn't there like a. Didn't Buzz have like a spinoff where definitely not as beautiful? Buzz Lightyear where... Star Command was amazing, but unfortunately it was not CGI. It was a cartoon, <laughs> yes. so I can't give it any credit. But I, oh, I will hype on that all day. So my point here is like, if you look at the dog, like Sid's dog from the original Toy Story, and then in the trailer, I'll see if I can link it in the show notes, there is a image of a cat just stretching out in a beam of light in the trailer of Toy Story 4. Ah, uh, yeah, that was a pretty cat. It was considered by many people on the internet to just be a real cat. Like, <laughs> it was such a realistic cat. The lighting was immaculate. The fur on it was immaculate. How it interacted with the space, how individual strands of the hair had light reflecting off them. I literally believed it was a cat. I, I believed so many things in this movie were just real. There were moments where I had to like catch my brain just accepting the environment. Yeah, there, the, the big thing I had where I had that moment wasn't actually the cat, which the cat was really good, but there, um, in one of their environments, they're amongst like these cobwebs and dust. And it's something so simplistic, but wow, does it look realistic. Like, dust particles in the air and i'm like oh wow i've like seen that before like it's i've seen like this exact thing in that exact way before i'm so glad you brought that up because we can go back finding nemo having just random particles that are just a natural part of the environment monsters inc and all the other ones where we had to get strands of hair to become strands of cobwebs that are just in between these bookshelves mm -hmm. it is all the summation of just a, a place that is dedicated to pushing the envelope of technology and wrapping it up in beautiful storytelling. Because, like, that's that's the thing about Pixar to me. That's, like, that's why their success is, like, they never went hard for one or the other. They somehow did both. Yeah. Like, you don't... You don't go in a Pixar movie going, oh, I know the story is silly and dumb, but man, I'm just going to watch the visuals. Or the other way of like, oh, the story's so heartfelt. Like, I can like, 
ignore kind of what it looks like because you can do that with some cartoons like you can just kind of ignore their animation style because it's like oh the story and the characters i love them so much but like this is both they did both (laughs) and they're always original it's never like they come at you with like oh you remember this thing well we made it cgi no it's like this thing never existed and we came up with the idea for it and we came up with the world for it like that's the biggest thing about cgi and animation to me is there is nothing in there on accident Every single detail, every single piece, literally like no one just made the set for Toy Story. Like it wasn't just like they like made a set and have like Woody and Buzz just like walking around it. Like, no, someone had to render every bookshelf, every book, every cobweb, every piece of dust. They had to figure out like how many of these things move together, how many of these things are going to just like float there and how many things are actually going to fall and how all those elements stack on top of each other to make the scene. Yeah, I guess... I guess the best you would say is that you could have an accident, I'm doing quote air quotes here, occur where they drew something in and then decided later, oh, we're going to take that out, and they never actually took it out. But at some point, everything in there had to be drawn in. Exactly. So someone decided, I wanted this in here. Yeah, like every single like little thing on the fridge, everything that is in Bonnie's room. Like That's the thing. is like It would have been one thing if they just threw in a bunch of, like, this is a pristine asset. Like, no, things have wear on them. The toys have the scrapes on them. Um, Bo Peep has like her porcelain isn't perfect. It's got like a little bit of that, like when the enamel on the porcelain goes Mm -hmm. and that's the best thing is like every, like that's the thing about the fact that they're toys is like in the original toy story, they looked pristine because that was what they were working with. They could render these toys and have them interact. But like now there's like Woody has like a little bit of scrape to him and, Buzz, like, on his helmet, has got a little bit of, oh, like, when the plastic cracks from so being so... many layers. And, like, that's the biggest thing, is, like, all these things just stack and stack, and then you get Toy Story 4, and I, seriously, y'all, go see that movie, and let us know what you think about how well they did on the animation and stuff. I realize half the time on this show I'm just hyping movies, but, man, <laughs> like, the amount of times I had to catch myself, the amount of times I you mean, were just half on my shoulder. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I was going to say, I guess that's a good thing that you're repping movies. Like, that's better than just saying, hey, this movie is trash. Never see it. Like, hey, this one. Like, I hope at, I never become that guy. At least you're at least you're putting out some more positivity into yeah, the world. Yeah, I'm always putting out. And on that bombshell, <laughs> it's time to end. Ooh. <laughs> so I, I hope you all enjoyed this episode because, man, we were so excited to talk about it. I was literally just bothering Sam all yesterday saying, like, when are we going to record? When are we going to record? When are we going to record? And such a good movie. Anyway. I've been your neural nutritionist, Sam. You can find me on Instagram at lil.baby.banshee. That's L-I-L dot baby.banshee. And you can find us at Small Stuff Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And you can always find Swing the Small Stuff wherever you find podcasts and if you made it this far in the episode and we assume you have because you're still listening to us we're assuming you like the show and we really hope that you'll go ahead and take this episode and just share it with a friend leave a review go tell someone and if you like what we're doing or if you have feedback you know email us uh tweet at us those other things social media you know that's a thing reach out (laughs) thank you for saving my butt Anyway, I've been your personal brain trainer, Cameron Booster Jamari, reminding you from movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff. You got a friend in me. <laughs> <laughs>
You've got a friend in me. I don't remember the second line, but you've got a friend in me. (laughs) 